Welcome to Up the Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast. Full crew again. We're so excited after beating Leicester and looking forward to our next game. We'll answer your questions as well. As always, this is Up the Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast. Up the Villa. just peeled off around the far post they got blocks off you can see there's the block off they're all looking at each other to say who's who's blocking who Watkins flag has stayed down it's Ollie Watkins who puts Aston Villa in front just brushed aside the challenge of Castagna and he's done it again Six away games, six goals on the road for Ollie Watkins. Villa, it seems, unbeatable on their travels. First attempt on target for Aston Villa. First attempt on goal. And he's nipped in behind Castagna to put them in front, Watkins. Once again, we've got a slight injury scare. Uh, Tess has done his glutes. Um, so, unfortunately, slight tear to his right and a massive test, uh, test, test massive uh, rip in his left uh, glute heels as well, boys. So, let's hope he recovers. Speedy recovery, Tess. It sounds like a bad one. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's tough because it, it can affect your hamstrings and other stuff as well. So, uh, well, happy Easter to Tess and his family, and he'll be back on the podcast next week. Boys, I've got a question to you to start with. Um, now, I'm going to say to people, I did give this question earlier to the guys, uh, but not with a lot of notice. A player in the Premier League era 
from any club. You can have one player. They must have played at, at least one Premier League game. Who would have you taken in the history of the Premier League to play for Villa? I think I've uh, I think I've touched off my answer before. I think there's no doubt for me straight off the bat. No man even comes close, and it's uh, Thierry Henry for me. Oh, nice! Just, just everything about the man. Um, I just I just think he's brilliant. You know, I just uh, he was just a sensational footballer, and he could do it all. You know, and um, for me, yeah, that's that's my answer every time. I could, people I've spoke to many people about different clubs about this question over the years, and I've always been the same answer for me. Like he's just he was an absolute dream to watch, and yeah. Uh, that's the answer for me, and I, I think he'd fit nicely into our setup at the moment too. Prime, prime Henry. Oh yeah! Oh my goodness! Yeah, I love it. That's a really good answer. I, I, I won't steal that one from you, but I do like it. And over to you, Rhino. Um, I'm going to go Cristiano Ronaldo, and he sort of tarnished his um, his reputation a little bit with his second stint at Man United. But overall, just you know, a world class player who's been at the top for a long, long time, and. You know, we've been on the the other end of him and him scoring against us quite a few times. And you know, a, a player who can just turn games on his own, great in the air, great with his feet, pace, strength. He had it all. And yeah, I think he would just be you know one of those players that could slot into any team and make a massive difference. Yeah, I like it. I, I think we all would have had a few people we we could choose, but for me, um, it, it, Dennis Bergkamp. Um, oh yeah. Uh, I just love, you know, pretty similar to Henri in a way, what, what, what he brings to a team is that, that touch on the ball, the ability to score the miraculous goal, and just so chill. Um, so for me, Dennis Burkamp for sure and certain. Two ex-Arsenal players. Yeah, well, they've always had a style of play. I've admired Arsenal's play for many, many years. You hear yeah. like um, you hear the likes of Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher. Like, no, this isn't an Arsenal podcast. No, but we always discuss football on the outside too, you know. And you, you hear like uh, Jamie Carragher and uh, Gary Neville who would have played against that brilliant Arsenal team of that era. Like Jamie Carragher, when he talks about them, like he talks about their, them being the best team he's ever played against. That that Arsenal team there for a couple of years, like they had yeah. everything, like with Lombard and Perez, yeah. Henri, Bergkamp, Gilberto. Silva, um, Vieira, uh, um, who were the two centre backs at the time, um, Campbell and Colo Torre, and Jesus, just, just, just and, and and the full backs then, just uh, Lauren and Gail Clichy was one, wasn't yeah, he? Ashley Cole was probably before Gail Clichy that mm-hmm. team I was supposed to start with before Chelsea yeah. took it. Just phenomenal players, you know, and just the pace, power, they had everything, had everything. Wow. Um, we don't want to make it a podcast about um, anything uh, but the Villa, but we always do throw something else in there, guys. So that was our one that I threw to the guys tonight. And I, I doubt anyone would disagree with any of those three players um, having been lovely to watch if they had been a villain, for sure and certain. So, guys, we played Leicester um, midweek game away from home again with just Absolutely fabulous support. Just the, some of the best away support you can imagine. Just so loud and they credit to them. They spend a lot of money, a lot of time and just love our away support. I thought a perfectly managed game, guys. And and I'll hand it over to you guys. We're not going to do a massive review. We, we touched on this other other podcasts do that. And by the time you've heard this, you would have, you know, you certainly would have ripped it all apart. But your thoughts, boys? Um. It's just as you as you start with there, Paul. I think it's the perfect place to start. 
just wouldn't you love to just be a part of that away contingent at the moment, you know, just the yeah. buzz that must be going ahead and just, uh, it's just class and the, the connection is, the reconnection is there amongst the fans. Um, and I hope, and I'm sure, I'm sure it will continue into Villa Park uh, Saturday, but at the moment, it's just a great time to be attending games, you know, it's just, oh, you're just so jealous. I'd love to be there, you know, but still a pleasure to get to watch from the outside, you know. Um, just with the game, I am, as you said, Paul, a lot of it's been covered on other podcasts, so we'll, We'll just talk about it briefly, but um, again, I just like to touch off um a bit of the a bit of the tactical setup for this game. Um, mm. the things that I noticed was uh brilliant, and it's 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 something a lot of coaches use in situations, but I think it's actually the first time I've seen um Emery use it. I don't know you would have noticed in that first half there, um, the interchanging at a number ten. Sometimes yes. it was Wendy, uh, sometimes it was Ramsey, and sometimes it was um the Ramsey, Wendy, and Bailey. Sorry, and they were interchanging. Now he changed this for in the second half for whatever reason, but I think uh, I think I know why he changed it, but I, and I'll come on to that. But for the interchanging, like you, you see this in a lot of coaching seminars and stuff, and I think we're going to see a lot of it from Villa coming going forward. The reason why he's uh, why they tend to do that is because Leicester going forward were playing with one at the one hole in midfielder, but yes. defensively they were holding with two Napoli Mendy, uh, with Mendy and and Didi when they were defending, they were defending with two at the two holers. And what you do then, why you interchange like that? Because obviously in the elite level, it's it's about marginal gains. So if you've got your two holders, one will pick up the number 10 and usually the other will pick up the deep line runner in an, yeah. in, in an attack. So if you can cause a second of confusion even once and then you pounce on that, that's where your goal can come from. So yeah. if you've got an interchange in between Bailey, Buendia and Ramsey and you've got Ndidi and Mendy sorting out between them who's picking up and they would have worked on it during the week who's going to pick up who but for a split second if you can have Ramsey as the runner one second and he's the number 10 next second at elite level like that it only takes one minute of indecision or one second of indecision for you to capitalise on your goal and that's why they kept interchanging for the first 20-25 minutes actually it played a part in the goal too because if you see where Buendia played the ball from it was actually in the centre even though he yeah. spent a lot of his time out on the left and that's why they do it and it only takes a couple of seconds where you kind of go oh he's he's your man oh no he's my man and then that's it and they've capitalised on it and, and, and we did that in it we did that in the previous game too Spud um, yeah it's when... the first time we've interchanged with three though we've oh, used yeah. it no, no interchanging doubt. Yeah, no doubt. But our tactics are certainly confusing the centre backs for teams, and that 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 was what happened in the yeah. previous game where the ball over the top, uh, Watkins going through the middle, and the two centre backs going, "Oh God, that's your, he's yours." No, he's yours. And, and so the tactics and the mixing of tactics, I, I can't remember. I can't remember us having this mix of tactics and the guys being so switched onto them. I don't and think we, we've ever. I don't think we've ever had a mix of tactics like this under any manager, to be honest. And we're quite blessed in those positions, like you just named, you know, Ramsey, Buendia, Bailey. You know, these are guys who, you know, if they're not in the game, you, you've got that benefit of moving them from wide into that number 10 position or vice versa. And, you know, you get a chance to get, you know, different players involved in the game in different areas. And, and those three players, I know Bailey, again, hasn't had a great game, but those three players can hurt people. You know, you've seen it with Buendia against Leicester, that ball through for Watkins, just quality. So, yeah, we, we sort of, got some good options in those positions. And obviously when Kamara comes back, we've sort of got McGinn who potentially pushes a bit further forward then. I thought it was a good, I think it's a very clever tactic to counteract two holding midfielders because you obviously have your two centre-backs and then you have your two holders dropping back to pick them up. And the confusion is for your number 10 to cause that confusion between the the two holding midfielders 
So I, I think it's very good. So then you have your strike rock behind the two centre-backs. And I, I think you're going to see it more and more because I think more and more teams are going to start playing a double pivot against Villa now, just the way we set up. And it's yeah. interesting, though, because we didn't do that in the second half at all. Buendia no. stayed left in the second half. And I think that basically just came down to one. It was to stop that diagonal ball that was killing us. Um, because when Buendia was dropping into 10, the... Um, the, the, the right fullback for um, Leicester, he was getting more time in the ball to, yeah. to clear that diagonal ball into Harvey Barnes and it was killing us. So I think at halftime, Emery would have said to them, right, Emmy, you're just going to have to stay out there a bit more to try and cut this this diagonal ball off. And also, it's because Buendia and Moreno were causing so much trouble. Oh. I think he just thought, just stay out there. Just stay out right. there. We're getting our benefit out there. So well, sorry, I, I just thought it was an interesting um, the way he approached that. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and I thought, I think, you know, if we could just go over some of the key moments of the match, I think we were very, very lucky that an Aussie didn't score against us early. I thought that was a dead set sitter of a header for yeah. someone who's a world-class player. I mean, it was harder for him to miss the goal than score it. Um, so for those who haven't been able to see it, ball gets basically put up to a free Harry Suter who misses a header realistically from point blank range for a guy his height. Um we took our chance. Watkins uh, obviously took that chance. And it was a typical Watkins goal, holding someone off and then sliding it. And didn't it take, I don't know about you boys, but it, did it take forever for that yeah, ball to go in? I, and I wasn't sure the angle when he first hit it. I was like, is it going in or going wide? It was just it was just trickling, wasn't it? And I, was, I wasn't sure. It was great. Uh, 100%. It was great you played, though. It was mm. great uh, you played, the way he hit there. Because it went from Kanza into the middle, Buendia into... Into into um Ali, it was a great little passage of play. It's funny though, because you know what um Harry Souter's chance there is in football so funny, like because like we're in a good run of moment, like and when you're getting good run like that, that ball is missed. Like when you're fighting and struggling down the bottom, if we if we were struggling yeah. for points, that ball goes in the net. Oh, you yes. know, and it's the flip side for Leicester. If they were doing well, he buries that every time. It's just so weird with football how how when you're in that bad rut or when you're in that good run, like the ball bounces inside the post or outside the post, depending mm. on the, the form you're in. It's so it's just so weird. Like it's such marginal like Ab- efforts, you know. Absolutely spot on. And then uh, as you've already discussed, that diagonal ball um worried us uh, all night. And and you worry you, you wonder sometimes when Barnes scored his goal, and it was a ripper, took it first time. Yeah. Um, I wasn't even sure he was gonna get a shot away and um, I don't think there's anyone to blame there, really. I know that he was caught out. It was a beautiful pass, well taken, on the run, shoots first time, and beautiful goal by Barnes. Let's not uh, underestimate that. You see bits of play like that by a team like Leicester, and you cannot for the life of you see how they are in, in the relegation battle on second bottom. Yeah, that goal, like you say, that touch from Barnes just to get away from Young and then into the box and the finish, you won't see any better than that. And if that's a top, top player who scores that, that gets replayed everywhere um, for the next couple of weeks. But yeah, brilliant. And he, he does well against us, Harvey Barnes, to he be does. fair. He, does, he tends to score and give us a lot of trouble. And I was sort of glad to see Ian Acho on the bench and not get any action because he oh, usually sorry. scores as well. So yeah, I was thankful they didn't bring him on. And yeah, but that, look... That, that diagonal ball, like Spuds touched on, it was hurting us. 
Young's playing, you know, three games or two games in, you know, four or five days. And we know he's 36, 37. So the legs will be tired. But I thought he did well. He had a couple of nervy moments. But in general, he, he held up pretty well against Harvey Barnes. No, he, he did. And guys, Leicester have scored the eighth. I think there's only eight teams who've scored more goals than Leicester. Um, but there's probably only two or three teams who've had less um, scored against them. Uh, or sorry, more scored against them. So, I mean, I know that sounds really silly, but they've scored 40 goals. And if, mm. if you were told after 29 games you've scored 40 goals, you'd probably think you're pretty safe from relegation. But they have conceded 51 goals, which is the third worst in the whole comp. Yeah, it's, it's just... A... Sorry, mate. No, I was just going to say, mate, it's almost two goals a game. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's strange, isn't it? Like, I mean, it's funny, though, because, like, like you know, that, that, that was a midweek game, you know, and then, like, it's like that game was meant to be played in September, but the Queen died, remember? Yes. Yeah. And, and I don't know if you remember the time they were dubbing it El Sacco when, when it was Gerard against uh, Brendan Rodgers and they were yes. calling it the El Sacco derby of whoever was going to lose is get sacked. And it's funny because, like, we went and we sacked Gerard a couple of weeks later. And, and Leicester didn't sack Rodgers. And look at the difference where the clubs are since then. Mm-hmm. We were very similar positions since then, you know. And it's something, another bit of curse that we tick off, right? Um, Leicester change manager, and it's always a, oh, we're going we're gonna to lose. We're yeah. going to be paid out yeah. here. And I just thought we were fabulous again. Just, you know, let, let's go to that third goal. Um, really tentative and tired defence by Leicester at this point. Um, they, they just looked primed to make a mistake. And that Traore goal, he does not know how to score a, a poor goal. It was an absolute ripper. I, I, I would be surprised if I haven't watched it uh, over a hundred times. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've watched it multiple times. And for me, Traore is the only player in our squad who takes that on first time from that distance and finishes there. Everyone else takes a touch and looks looks up and you know looks for a pass or gives, a cross. Gives the keeper he's, a chance to set. If, yeah, if, he's the only one who'll do that, and that's what makes him. He's got that bit of X factor, isn't he? he does the unexpected, you know, and he. Just a quality finish, considering he'd been on the pitch five minutes. Just to take that on, the confidence, unbelievable. What a, what and, a remarkable story he is, you know. Uh, loaned out, injuries, Villa career looks gone. He looks so happy since he's returned. Um, yeah, and, and the, 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 you know, the interview with Emery after the game was really telling as well. And, and, and obviously the reaction of the players at the end of the game presenting him to the away fans and the away fans just getting around him. And it was really good to see. And Emery said, you know, we were in a bit of trouble. We asked him to come back and help us out. And he said he'd just been a, a model professional and he's really well liked within the changing room. So, yeah, it's really happy for Traore. He's had a lot of stick and um, what a way to come back. Absolute credit to Leon Bailey too. Like, like Bailey did not have a good game. We know this, right? And I, I'm not, I don't want to hammer him too much. But like, for it must have been tough for Bailey to know that he played that badly. Traore come on, scored the winner, and got that adulation. Bailey was one of the first to go over and celebrate with him, was yeah. singing his name yeah. with the fans. And I just, my respect for Bailey kind of went up after seeing that because that that couldn't have been easy for him. You know, like you know, he his confidence is shot to pieces, Bailey. So for him to get involved in the buzz in the club still and sing Bertrand Tour is the man who's probably going to take his place eventually the way things are going. You know, I I, I my respect for Bailey went up after that. Like Yeah. Just uh yeah, no fabulous away performance again. Um a special um mention again. Sorry I've got the Yahoons uh, in the court just going out. Um <laughs> special mention again. Ollie Watkins breaking records left, right and centre. Six games in a row, six away games in a row he scored. 
And That's... do you know the only other player to have scored six away games in the Premier League era? Aguero, isn't he? Some company, isn't it? When you think of the strikers that have played in the Premier League over the years, to for, for Aguero to be the only other one to have done, it's phenomenal. Mm. The other thing I want to mention about Watkins, fellas, just on the, the end of the Leicester game there, that defensive effort. Oh, yes. Right at the end to get back in there, to realise the danger, put his body in there and get in front of Patson Dacker. It was just unbelievable. The guy's just a workhorse. He'd been running all game, just, you know, and he's a striker. For him to be that switched on in that situation and to be that hungry to get there was just an unbelievable effort. I, I still can't believe the referee gave a penalty. Neither can I. He was perfectly positioned. You watch, <laughs> if you go back and watch where he is, how has he not seen Watkins in front? Like, how, like, literally, he's positioned as well as you can be positioned. And, yeah. and Watkins is in front. <laughs> I mean, tell me you didn't shit yourself for a moment when they gave a pen. Oh, yeah. Until you see the replay and you're like, no way. <laughs> what, the, what were they watching? So it's just, it's a, yeah, just he, he, he had a nightmare a few minutes, though, because he, with the foul and Duran getting reversed and given in instead of, uh, get, like, he blew first for a foul and Duran, and then he kind of almost changed his mind and gave yes. a free in for it. Like, it was just really stupid. Like, I don't know. The referee, though, like, he had no control of that game, and I can say that because we won that game. He he wasn't too sure what was going on in that game. He was no. he was way off the pace. Like mm. and 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 you know, look, we got it lucky. Thankfully, he got the big decisions right, which is important. But he was nowhere near the level of fizzating a Premier League game. Well, he didn't get he didn't get one of the big decisions right. I mean, realistically, VARs told him, "Hey, go and have a look at the screen." You've made yeah, it true, fair enough. Yeah, um, yeah. but Dewsbury yeah. Hall, I think he deserved his red card. I think they were two yellow cards, and and. Whilst we can say that changed the game, I think Villa was playing. I think Villa was playing really well before he was sent off. Anyway, um, not saying it wouldn't have made a difference, but he deserved to go off. I wonder what kind of games though were kind of like you know. I, I don't think Villa were at their best. I think we know that it was a good away performance. It was job done kind of territory. But like even watching that game and it was one all and we were kind of in and out. But we were really good when we had our spells. But then Leicester still looked a bit of a threat and. Um, but I don't know, I still, even that 70 minutes or just before the sending off, I still felt like we were going to score. Yes, uh, You know, it wasn't that, that, you know, I've watched Villa many times in the past and I'd be more conceited at one Ireland, more worried about losing 2-1, you know? Oh, yeah. But I kind of, I kind of, I don't know, I could see the goal coming. I don't know why it's just, the rule yeah. we're on and just this team don't know when they're beating. I think we're, I think the team's confidence mirrors our confidence at the moment as supporters, mm. which is beautiful. I am disappointed that uh, Watkins' nutsack was saved by not scoring a goal, uh, legs akimbo either side of the post. I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed. And the um, just uh, just with Jacob Ramsey there, he that was that, that was probably his poorest game in the Villa jersey for a long time, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I, mm, I'd agree there, mate. I, I don't think his form's been great. In the I last thought, few games, but this was. I thought he was excellent against one. Chelsea. I thought he was excellent against Chelsea. Now, to be honest, uh, yeah, yeah, and um, and 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 decent against Bournemouth. But you're right. Over, overall, he's probably not been shining. But uh, no, again, look, we we're not privy to what his role was in that team. You don't know what Emery's after setting him out to do. He could have been there to stop runners. You don't know, but he wasn't on the ball at all. No, no, he wasn't. Guys, um, your three, two, ones. Um, I might start here. It was a really tough one. I'm going to go Watkins um, from Buendia. Um, and I know a lot of people didn't, but I still think McGinn played the game perfectly. So I'm going to go Watkins three, Buendia two, McGinn one. 
it's going to be Buendia three. Buendia, Buendia man the match for me. Um, I thought Moreno was very good. Uh, I, I thought he was excellent. And the two for Moreno and uh, one for um, Tyrone Mings. Yeah, yeah. Can see that as well. I've gone uh, same. Buendia man of the match. I thought his link up play and his general overall play was sensational. Again, he, him and Mourinho are just a real threat and are building a good relationship out there. Uh, Mourinho second, the so same as Spud. But I've gone Conza as my, mm. my third on the list there. I thought he he's Very really nice. stepped up and he's playing a really important role at the moment with Villa next to Mings. And he's he's improved on the ball with ball at feet as well, which is good to see. Yeah, I love that we've all got slightly different perspectives there. So, no, it's good. I mean, you could you could argue four or five players deserved. It was a pretty even performance and, and well done. Let me be on record as well as saying, though, he wasn't in my top three. But for the all-round play, I thought John McGinn was absolutely outstanding again. Yeah, uh, no, he was, in, he was in my top three. He was given a slightly different role yeah. and, and, still, and still did exactly what was asked of him. And uh, I, I couldn't be prouder of him, to yeah. be honest. Emery's found a way, right, with, with John McGinn to play him like in similar type roles, right? But to play to his best strength. We know John McGinn's best strength, and it was actually it was actually a thing we hammered him for when he was playing badly. And he and I, I'm never going to apologise for hammering McGinn at the time because he was not playing well. Well, and there's no one's going to convince me of that at all. I hated hammering because I really like him, but he's Emery's found a way to make his strength. You know that getting around the pitch, covering grass, because he was a bit of a headless chicken under Gerard. Let's be honest. There's no, there's no point nicing off. I think the whole team was. Yeah, and 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 he was running around, and and Gerard just put him out there to work with. And 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 Emery seems to have right, John. This is what your best strength is. Let's do it. So instead of using it just for the ability of running around, let's see what we can do it. And he's still getting to cover all the blades of grass, but there's purpose behind what he's doing. It's it's really good. Yeah. And, um, Credit, I, I to, credit to Emery. Just. I'm not just going to credit Emery there. I'm actually going to credit, credit himself, of course. Yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. Um, but I also want to credit our fitness um, crew because mm. we said it last week and it's very evident. Um, he definitely has lost weight. Um, he definitely looks quicker over the ground. And that's, you know, to yeah, Emery's credit, of course, um, uh, or, you know, McGinn's credit, but also it has to be the fitness crew yes. because he's a different man. Mm. Uh, I'd go as far as saying is this is the best form he's ever had for Aston Villa. I agree because I he agree. was very good in the championship, but the, you can't really judge the cha- like the championship was the championship. Yeah. there's no there's no glassing over that. He he is no he, he is no in the form of his life. And does he have a ceiling? Can he get better? I I, I wouldn't have said this six months ago, but I, I, he he could even get better because no no he's slotting back in when Kamara gets injured and he actually looks comfortable. Right. You know? if, if he starts adding some goals like he does at the international level to his game at Villa, then that takes him on. I don't know international games are different, but if he can just add a few goals to his game, then definitely that's where he pushes on then, isn't it? Because didn't he, he's playing didn't, he hit the cross, didn't he hit the crossbar in the previous game? Against Chelsea, yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah so, God, he went close. Guys, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to answer some uh, Twitter and Facebook questions that you guys have posed, and, and we really appreciate those as well. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Up the Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast. You can get us on Twitter at Aussie Villains, capital A, capital V. Please post your questions there. We always get them in a pod. We're all mad Villa fans, doesn't matter what part of the world we're from. This is Up the Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast. 
Okay, welcome back to Up the Villa. That was really awful, wasn't it? Welcome back to Up the Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast. Thanks for listening to our little break there. We're going to answer your questions. We're going to start out, and we really appreciate it, um, with Twitter. And you can get us at Aussie Villains, uh, Aussie with a capital A, Villains with a capital V. That's us at Aussie Villains. And we'll always pose questions up. Um, you know, you'll see my ramblings during a game, and you'll see uh, all of our questions as well. So, First one, let's go and have a look. Okay, first one's from Ryan. Uh, Ryan, nine double seven zero five nine four six, And he said, lovely stuff. I'll be tuning in tomorrow for that one. This is about our pod. This isn't really Villa, but more football in general. Who is each of your least favourite teams in the league? Me, for example, can't beep stand Leeds. I'll be drinking Leeds tears when they get relegated. So I'll hand over to you, Rhino. Man United did for me. Um, we've touched off on other pods that, you know, growing up in South Wales, everyone was a Man United fan or a, a or a Liverpool fan. So always had to put up with Man United fans and didn't we haven't had the best record against them either. So we've lost a lot of games and yeah, so Man United for me just through growing up with those with them around me. Yeah, totally get that. <laughs> and uh over to you, Spud. Oh. That's a, a double Man United try me. Exact same, exact same um, reasons as right now. Like I mean, I still have post traumatic stress from primary school from all my Man United friends winning everything, and uh, I think the only time I got to keep my head held high was when we beat them in the League Cup in '94. But um, same reason, some. I'm my closest best friends are United fans. So There's nothing against them personally, but as a club, Man United used to love. Watching them lose, I it just it just when I was young, I just every time they lost, it was just fantastic. And uh, yeah, look, to be honest with you, my hatred for them has probably died over recent times as much. I still love like beating them when we do or whatever, you know, and uh, love seeing them lose. But uh, now you look back and you think at least United done it the right way, and you see now with the with, with the oil money and some clubs and stuff, my hatred towards United. I'd actually like to see them come back and contest a bit more. But overall, over the Premier League era, Man United. Uh, no surprise for you guys that it's Man United's uh, one of their big rivals and it's Leeds. You know, <laughs> I can't stand them. Um, in Australia, they have a massive following because so many Australians played for them. And I'm just sick of hearing how big Leeds are. <laughs> Jamie, how big you are. Hey, is your support amazing? 100%. Home and away, outstanding support. Are you the biggest team in the world? Give me an effing break. So <laughs> it's Leeds. Um, look, I'll be honest with you. Whoever gets relegated gets relegated. I'm certainly not going to put my karma into hoping that a team goes down. So I'm not I, – I, whilst I can't stand Leeds, I, I don't care who goes down, if that's I a can, fair call. I can visually see uh, Rhino's uh, brother-in-law unfollowing the pod. Yeah. Apologies, Daniel. What's his name, Rhino? Daniel. Hey, Daniel. How big are leads, mate? So that's all I'll say. Daniel, we appreciate you listening. I'm just being honest. I hate leads and uh, we'll leave it at that. But Daniel, thanks for listening. We appreciate you. You must have something good about you, um, especially with the leads handicap that you have. So thanks, Daniel. Uh, there you go. Shout out to Daniel. Um, Daniel Baxter. I wonder who this is. So Daniel Baxter. Actually, not a question, but it's yay. Looking forward to listening. 
Well, that's my partner, fellas. I, I, I was. Uh, I said, "Well, you have to ask a question," and she's like, "Oh, I can't think of one." So I was like, "Oh, fair enough." <laughs> no, but thank you for listening and supporting the pod and a lovely picture of your partner wearing all the Villa stuff, mate. So, I uh, hopefully that I didn't make that weird then. But um, <laughs> we appreciate your listenership and um, thank you so much, there, Danielle. Right, um, thank uh, you for yeah. Thank you for the interaction, Danny. Further and thanks for giving us Claudia and the uh, Villa jersey. Yes, yeah, stunning, stunning, <laughs> stunning picture of your uh, gorgeous girls there. Um, Art of Villa, surprisingly, at Art of Villa. Will we see a club tour with both the men's and women's teams touring together? Um, I might start this one, boys. I don't see that happening. Um, we've now expanded. Where have we got teams now? We've just bought, we've got a team in Spain or Portugal. Sorry, Portugal. Portugal, Egypt. And Egypt. Um, I can't see them doing an Aussie tour for a fair while um, to start with. I think they're going to have to look at um, supporting those teams they've bought there to start with, which seems to be the way that clubs do these days. Um, And also just the logistics of both the men's and uh, women's teams touring together. I I think we're a few years off that. That's my opinion. I concur, Paul. You're probably right. But I think if it's going to happen anywhere, it's going to happen in America. Because yeah. women's football is huge in America. It's probably bigger in America than it is anywhere else in the world. So if it was going to happen anywhere, it'd probably be America. But at, as you say, Paul, at the moment, I think it's unlikely. But it would be absolutely awesome. Because uh, oh, sure. I, I know I can only speak for myself, but I know I certainly look out for the women's results more than I ever did and watch their games when I can, you know. Look, I'm not getting up at 2 o'clock in the morning setting my alarm like I am for the men. I'm not going to lie. But I will get up in the morning watch the highlights. And I wouldn't I wouldn't have before. And I, I'll be honest about it. I, I wouldn't even... Bat an eyelid, but the club is just all coming together as one. Um, so yeah, I I'm sure the interest, and I'm sure I'm not alone in getting their spiked interest, interest spiked in the women's game. So probably not, but you never know. And if it's going to happen, it'll happen in America. Yeah, mm. yeah, agreed. Yeah, definitely something for the future. And it's just about lining up adequate competition for both teams, isn't it? And going to countries where you can get, you know, a level of competition that's going to really work both teams. And I think, yeah, Spud's right. The US would probably be the place. And definitely something to aim for, though, getting the the men's and the women's tours going. That would be awesome. So I'm sure we've got loads of fans in the US. Well, I know we have. There's a lot of supporters clubs over there. And there'd be a lot of women over there keen to see, you know, the Villa ladies team get over there, too. There's a lot of cost involved for the club in these tours as well, so they have to make sure that they're going to get that money back and worth their while, and it's mm. probably just not viable at the moment. I know that's unfortunate, but that's probably how it is. What would cost to send the women's team on a full tour of America and the commercial backing they would need? It's just the money's just probably not there at the moment, you know? Well, we, we and we can all say this. We'd love to see it happening. I know that if they send to Australia, there's plenty of Australian um, A-League women's teams that would give the Villa girls not only a massive run, but, you know, potentially could beat them. And that's just the truth of it as well. Australian women's football is in this extremely strong place. Um, Mark Smith, Smithy, 1874. Once again, absolute regular. So we appreciate you. He's got a couple here, guys. Um, if you get the chance, watch Ming's reaction when Ollie uh, makes that block in time added on. He goes straight to Ollie, Ollie celebrating it. The team morale is off the scale at the moment. Will bringing in new players affect that? We'll start with you, Spud. Um, I don't think so because I think Emery uh, and the clubs do diligence on, on transfers. I think they will profile a player. The, the days of just buying a player based on ability are gone. Like, um, I was reading a thing there recently. The club had Camara watched 17 times before 
they signed him. So I know look, Gerard obviously played a part in getting Kamara over the line, but the club are watching Kamara uh, apparently long before Gerard. He was just the one who helped seal the deal. So the days of just signing a good player are gone. There's so much they need to be. They need to know they're going to integrate into the squad, the settling side, family side of it. Um, so look, you can always get one player that might disrupt, but I don't think so. I think I think if Emery going off Marine, uh, Alex Moreno, I know I think uh, Emery knows exactly what the squad needs. You know, you have to trust them going forward, and a happy dressing room is as important as a skillful dressing room. So it it wouldn't concern me as much, to be honest. Righto. Yeah, I agree. I think Emery's managed big names and, you know, been at Arsenal and had some big players there. And I think he knows how to to mould a squad and he knows the characters he wants in there. Um, like I touched on, Mourinho's the prime example, isn't he? Alex Mourinho's come in, settled in well, and it looks like part of the furniture already. So I think Emery will already have a list of targets ready to go. And I, I don't see them being people who come in and unsettle the, the current squad. No, I totally agree. Um, he goes on, uh, Mark, to ask, Mings is getting all the portraits for our defensive performance, but how important is concert to our team at the moment? I think his stats for not being dribbled past is one of the best in the league. I think he's in the top two to three defensive players um, for not being dribbled past. Look, I do want to put one um, slight knock, if I can. We're, we are generally a very positive pod. He does get caught out in the air a bit as well. And, and or he was Sutar's opponent at that set piece near the start of the game. I think that's probably the only knock at the moment because he's playing the best football that I've seen him play. So um, oh, extremely important because the confidence that that um, back line, I think we said it last week, the same thing. The confidence that back line's got allows, you know, um, the Youngs and uh, the Marinos and so forth to go forward knowing that they've got that cover at the back. So, yeah, extremely important. I'll let Rhino take this one because Rhino's been talking about Kanz a lot there lately. So, I let him. Yeah, I, I've, I've been really impressed. And we, we sort of had Kanz um, on the chopping block as a podcast. We were talking about, you know, in the summer that he's potentially one that could get moved on or, you know, could be replaced in the team. But his form in the last month, he's just pushed himself to another level and he's making it very hard now for um, Emery to sort of replace him. And I've just been really impressed with his his ability with ball at feet. Him and Mings have been asked now, as well as Martinez, obviously, to play out from the back. And it's taken them, you know, a couple of months to get used to the process and the, you know, and playing out from the back. But both Mings and Cons are looking really comfortable with ball at feet. And he's the perfect foil for Mings, I think, Conza. He's the more he's the pacey sort of athletic defender where Mings, as as Paul's touched on, is probably better in the air, whereas Conza lacks a little bit there. So I think they're the best partnership in the league at the moment. And and Conza's a he's a quiet achiever and I, I really like the way he's just dug in and worked his way back into into good form. Yeah, no, look, absolutely agree. Um, any anything further to add there, Spud? No, I think I, I think I'll um, have to concur a lot of what Rhino said there, and uh, about the complimenting each other, and definitely because one on one, he's an excellent defender. Like he he really is really good. Like um, the form, they're very good. Can either of them be replaced? I think he'll, I, I still think there's going to be competition brought in for him. To be honest, I think that's just a natural progression of the club, and I don't think that's going to be a slight the club. I was definitely one of those people that were banging the drum, thinking that he was for the door, Kanza. So, as same as McGinn, you know, the way they've stood up and be counted, just my respect for them is just huge. Um, 
a lot of people thought Carlos would walk back into this team. And I think I think Carlos is far off starting this team now just based on, on Kanz and Mings's um form, you know, and it's it's great I, to see. I, I agree. I couldn't see him starting ahead of either of those two. And I think the other thing, just to put it in perspective, guys, if Konza was playing at another club right now and um you know, we could grab him for twenty five or thirty million. I think we would. Yeah, I mean, like Dean Smith. I remember when we signed him, Dean Smith, and like Conza. Conza was one of those names you'd always hear from the championship, isn't that right? You know, like, but yeah. you, you probably don't know a wild amount about him, you know. But Dean Smith, like Dean Ollie Watkins, and Dean and um, Isaac Conza, there were two players that Dean Smith wanted from the start. We know that, and 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 Conza came in, and we were just like, whoa, just just. This boy can play, you know, and then it just all went pear shaped. He really, he hit a terrible. And I know everyone can say the, the whole team hit a bad form, but he really hit a bad form. Yeah. Like he, he, he looked a shadow of the player he was. Now I think he's gone beyond the level he was. I think he's even better than he was when he was at his best for us. Far better. Far, um, this is his best for us. And and Kons are still young as well. That's the thing. And um, and and I, I think Tyrone Mings need to take a lot of credit as well for for Kons's growth as well because you see Mings early doors in games. He's talking Kanza through that game. And you know where Kanza's improved his most? I know see Kanza having a go at Mings, having a go at Martinez. You wouldn't see that before. Kanza's growing himself like. Growing in his confidence and his leadership, absolutely. Yeah, and, um, and, uh, and I, I think Emery's going to look at that and think, hmm, maybe, hey, maybe I was wrong about this guy. You know what I found interesting as well? Sorry, just to go off topic, but just while I think of it. Emery almost alluded to that he wasn't sure about John McGinn in one of the press conferences. Yeah. Did you see that? I did. No, I didn't. I did. Oh, I missed he, that. He, he didn't he so did. much it, but he I goes. I don't think he alluded, Spud. I don't think he alluded. I think he was pretty. He was pretty straightforward mm. about it. Yeah, and mm. and and so like he kind of basically said, he goes, uh, "We knew good player, but look, I wasn't so sure. I wasn't so sure." And he goes, "But no, I'm sure." Yeah, and, he, he uh, definitely uh, said. You yeah. almost said it for word for word. Yeah, it was uh, he. So he was. So I think Emery. I think. I think uh, because if if you if you if you remember, then Dunker started ahead of McGinn in um in Emery's first game against United. He didn't start. He didn't start that game again. So I wonder was he one of those? We know watched every game before he took the job. So yeah. like, and McGinn was not playing well. He must have been thinking, ah, this lad's gone. You know, like he, we're not going to be able to go forward with this guy. And now he's back. He's the captain. He's starting, and he's playing any position where 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 Emery's short. McGinn's fitting in there and being in the top three players on the pitch. So oh, the way he spoke about it, I just thought, well, and I wonder is it dissimilar for Kanza? I wonder is 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 Emery now thinking, wow, these boys, you know, these boys are be- better than what we think. Like, yeah, a few months ago, Kanza couldn't pick up a blonde uh, as a billionaire in a, in a nightclub, right? And now you couldn't get past him as the bouncer into any nightclub without giving him money. So, concerts definitely turned things around pretty well. I don't know where that came from, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Paul, <laughs> we're, we're putting a long time. We get it. <laughs> oh, I don't know where it came from. Um, why don't we go over and answer a couple of Facebook questions as well? And we've got some really fantastic loyal listeners. So, Omar, Omar Haji. And if I didn't say your name right there, Omar, I apologise, buddy. What do Super John McGinn and Douglas Louise have to do to join the likes of Mortimer, Cowens, Platt, Barry and Merson as legendary Villa central midfielders? Have they already achieved that status? Uh, I'll start with you, Rhino, and then over to you, Spud. I'm going to say, no, they haven't achieved legendary status yet. Um, And you look at some of those players in that list, and that's a really good list of players. And, 
you know, longevity is one you want from some of these players. So to play, you know, a lot of games for the Villa and then you want, obviously, the main goal for us is to start winning things as well. So for me, they're both heading in the right direction, which is strange to say about McGinn, considering where he, you know, the turnaround in a couple of months. But Douglas Louise is ceiling. You know, this is a guy who's got it all in front of him. And if we can keep progressing, I've no doubt he could be, you know, a, could be in the same as that, that same list of players, uh, but yeah, we just need to you know push on and maybe win something and a lot of a lot of appearances from those guys to boot. Have you guys, Pat? Um, I just want to say thank you as well to Omar. Every week, uh, he 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 asks questions and he's always giving good feedback on the pod and giving good messages. So we really appreciate that, Omar. It's a, it's a it's it's listeners like yourselves and a few others that are really important to us. You know, it's it's great that, and we appreciate the feedback because that's how you get the name of the pod out there. Um, with your question, Omar, it's a great question again. The one thing I will say is I couldn't put Morrison and Platt in the same um bracket as Cohen's and Mortimer. Like the lads have won the European Cup. Aston Villa, the biggest, the biggest moment in the club's history. So I think, I think there's three different columns there. I think you've got Mortimer and Cohen's at the moment. I didn't have the pleasure of seeing them play. I've watched videos, so I'm not going to go into too much depth about how they play. But just what they did for the club, they were obviously the the stalwarts of that. The two midfielders in a team that only played 14 in the year that we won the league. Them boys are above anything we've had at Villa since. And um, Merson and Platt, brilliant players. Merson is didn't. Mercenaries in the end, though they played clubs left, right, and centre. They they never really won anything specific with Villa. They both had great careers. Um, for Louise and McGinn to go on, as as Rhino said, needs to be longevity. We need to win something. Um, yeah, it's just I, I just don't think we can talk about them in the same bracket yet. Yeah, I think the I think uh, I can't say much more than both of you have said. I think it is the consistency, the amount of games, and. Winning stuff definitely, or even being in Europe um, consistently for a few years. Um, I think they're a fair way below uh, actually all five people mentioned there, Omar. So um, can they get there? Absolutely. Will they? I hope they do. Um, but not, not so sure. Not so sure. Great question, though, because it's a tricky yeah. one to answer. Yes. It definitely is. Definitely is. Richard Murphy says, We're all looking forward to a successful and glorious future with uh, Unai at the helm. But if a bigger club came in for him, do you think he would go uh, or do you think he is dedicated to finishing what he started with us? Don't mean to rain on everyone's parade, but always feel it's the elephant in the room. Uh, I would love to start with this one, if that's okay, boys. Yeah, right. cool. Um, I, look, I know it's going to sound really silly. There's not too many bigger clubs than us. We're in the mid-range of clubs. Um, United are going to be with uh, Ten Hag for a while. Um, Arteta is going to be married in um, uh, at Arsenal. Um, Man City are always going to go for the biggest name they can possibly go for. I don't believe Tottenham, they're more successful than we've been in terms of staying up in the top six. I don't think they're bigger than us. There's not too many clubs. I don't think Chelsea's bigger than us. Um, Liverpool certainly are bigger than us. But, you know, he's had that experience or the awful experience at Arsenal. He just seems such a happy man. Um, I think we were saying the last few weeks, we could see Emery being at Villa for 10 years. Um, the owners are very rich. They're not going anywhere. They're buying other clubs. Um, he looks like he's got the free reign to sign the style of player he wants to. 
this looks like just one of those times in football, the marriage was just the right time for both parties. Um, I don't think, unless it would be a Liverpool or an Arsenal, I can't, I mean, you'll never go back to Arsenal, but I can't imagine he's going to want to go anywhere. Um, um, for me, it's kind of strange because I wouldn't rule anything out in football. To be honest, like you know, I think the I think the days of massive loyalty are gone. Like that, that's the reality. I think, I think Jack Jack Grealish made sure I felt like that. So um, the um, for me, I think like he took the PSG job right, and 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 the job he was he done he actually done really well there, but the. It's not a job that he likes. Like Emery's, Emery's a project manager, and he took Villarreal, Sevilla, all them, but they didn't have the finances to go to the next level. So I think I think Villa suits him, like down to a ground, down to a tee. He refused the Newcastle job. I'm guessing based on his PSG experience. So I think he's probably done with the super rich, um, conveyor belt manager type clubs who just if you don't win three games, you're gone. You know, I think he's done with that. I would never rule out someone from Spain though, whose family live in Spain. If Bar- say a Barca or Madrid came in. I think it'd be very hard for any Spanish coach to turn them down because that's what they grew up with. That's the pinnacle of football for them. I think loyalty is a huge thing with Emery. So I think if at any time the board didn't go through with some of their promises, I think he'd go. But as long as we keep progressing and the board keep giving him what they've promised they'll give him and supporting him, I don't see a situation where he would just walk away. But I do think there are certain factors that could trigger it. Not today, not the end of the year. I don't. It's rubbish when people are saying that he's going to hit the Chelsea Spurs. Not going to happen. But I wouldn't rule out something down the line. That's that's just modern mm-hmm. football. It's sad, but it's the reality. That's yeah. my opinion on it. That's my take on it. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree with Spud. I think short term he stays. Long term, you can never rule anything out. But you know, you watch his interviews. He's buying into the club, isn't he? And he. He references the supporters in the interviews. He talks really well. And, you know, the fans, you know, we all love him. And I'm sure he feels that. And we're we're a club going in the right direction at the moment. And I think we're a club with good foundations as well. You know, the, the facilities we've got are top class. You know, the owners we've got, uh, you, you couldn't ask for any better, could you? So I think... In the short term, I don't see him being tempted to go to a club like Chelsea or Tottenham. Where obviously, I agree with you. Yeah. Obviously, they've got the facilities, etc. But the owners and the way those clubs are run are very different to the way Villa have been run lately. And credit to our owners getting a man like Emery in and giving him the platform to manage how he wants to manage. And our owners stay out of the out of the limelight, and I love that they sort of just let Emery do all the talking. And they take a step back. So, yeah, I think short term, I don't see a Chelsea or a Tottenham a viable option for him. I think he's here for short to medium term. Uh, great questions, everyone. Good answers, guys. Really appreciate the uh, the feedback there. We're going to finish off the pod with a preview of the game against Forest, which is Sunday morning, um, Saturday night for Spud in WA. Um, I'm very confident going into this one. Very confident. Who um just to touch on who what's your starting lineups, fellas? Who who drops out? Who comes in? Is there any changes at all for you? Yeah, yeah, we'll go for it. Um, we always do this. We might start off, um, guys, with our um, back line there as well. I 
can't see uh, if Young's up for it, and I didn't think he would he, he would start this game. I, I don't think we change that back five, Marino, Mings, Conza, Young, and Martinez at all. I'd agree yeah. with that. I'd agree I with agree. That. I think yeah. I think Young goes again. Yeah. Um, midfield, the only person, and I don't think they will. The only person I would see being changed um, would be Ramsey. Um, but then, you know, who would you actually bring in for him? Um, yeah, Ramsey would be the only change I potentially would make. Um, but, you know, who do you bring in, I suppose? No, no I, I, I think Ramsey gets... I, I think Ramsey will start again. Yeah, I, so I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll leave my I midfield think, as is. Yeah, I think I think Ramsey's got enough credit in the bank for the, the, the previous couple of games. He didn't have a great game last week. But as again, I said, I don't think we we know exactly what his, he was tasked with doing, you know. But the, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's very much the same. And just, just with Kamara as well, I thought it's interesting. In Emery's um, post-match press conference, he was asked about Kamara. And all he said is, I don't know. I don't know, and that's yeah. honest. I don't know, and that's a bit bit of a worry for me because he's he he's pretty straightforward with his answers usually. Oh, look, he won't be there in the next game, or yes, he will. Yeah, he seemed a bit downtrodden, so it actually concerns me slightly. To be honest, the, the way he answered that, he yeah. he it looks like they just don't know. So yeah, so hey, Maddie Maddie Cash still injured, won't won't be in the team. It looks like as well. Um, up up. So would you keep the same midfield boys? I think it's I, going I, to be. I, I had a question mark next to Kamara because I was just going to ask if anyone knows if he's due back. If he was, if he was fit, then obviously I'd change it. But if he's not, I'd probably go the same again. To be honest, even with Leon Bailey, like you know, not having a great game against Leicester, I still think there's probably not an option off the bench. I know Traore came off the bench and scored that goal, but I don't think Bertre the start. So I would probably stick with Bailey and go the same with Duran and uh, Traore looking to come off the bench. I'd go Traore straight in. Yeah. Scored a wonder goal. Um, his confidence will be up. The The way the team got round him, um, I, personally myself, I would start him. And, and it's just another threat, a real, real threat. And strong body as well. He's not going to go down the way that um, Bailey does seem to go down under pressure. Um, look, yeah, I, I, I would bring Traore on. Mm, yeah, I, I'd be tempted, but I, I'm just going to stick with Bailey and I'm going to, I'm hoping he, he gets a bit of form and, and gets something going against Forrest. Um yeah, we'll see what happens though. I'm not not confident there. I'm kind of with Rhino there, like as in like I think Traore. I just don't think he has 90 minutes in him. You could say the same about Bailey, to be fair. But uh, I'm kind of hoping that that goal, that Traore's goal, will have put a bit of a rocket up Bailey. You know that he's kind of like, well, this is this is how it can be. You know, um, it's 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 such a tricky one. Dran won't start like it's not going to happen. Like yeah, uh, no. I, I don't see it. Um. Just with Duran as well, lads. It's, it's something something I haven't really spoke about on air much, but it's something that I've thought for quite a bit. Like, I'd, I'd put my house in it in the morning that Duran's going to go on loan for the season next year. I think, and I, and I think it's something that would have been decided long before he ever arrived in Birmingham. Um, I think like the the the, the days of like um finding like landing in Birmingham and just putting them in here you go go play it. they're gone you know there's such development plans in place now uh, I think I think Duran's going to land in Birmingham stay with us for six months 
we'll just settle in and then we'll go put you playing football for a year. And yep. so I, 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 I I'm absolutely convinced because you see a lot of the, the questions at the moment on Twitter is uh, is Watkins, Archer and Duran strong enough for our forward line next year? No. I, I don't think you're going to see Duran or Archer. Um, I think Duran heads off for a year playing football and I think that would have been long decided before he ever made his debut for Villa. I, I, that's just how I feel. So I think he's going to get minutes here and there. I just do not see him starting Saturday. I don't okay, see him Okay, so um, a question on notice. Um, I think we'll bring in a Spanish. I, I think we'll find a Spanish striker. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty convinced that we will bring in someone for Watkins. And I think we'll, that's just my opinion. I think someone's coming from Spain. I, I would agree. I think there will be competition coming in for Watkins. But again, Watkins is another one who's stepped up, hasn't he? And his form is incredible at the moment. And you know, obviously giving Emery a lot of, posing a lot of questions, but I definitely see competition coming in. I'd agree with Spud. I think in an ideal world, like Spud's touched on in previous pods, Archer stays at Middlesbrough. They come up, he gets his Premier League experience there. Duran, I'd love to see him get some game time. And yeah, if he has to go out on loan to do that, I think that's that's the best thing for him. He needs games, doesn't he? He needs minutes in it, sitting on the bench for Villa at the moment. Is you know it's good that he's training with the squad, but he needs proper game time in a in a good league now to really see what he's about. Yeah, yeah. agreed. I, I think he would. I, I think he would have been kept. I think he would have been kept there from an integrating point of view. Get him mm. integrated to the club, so the club's liaison overseas liaison officers can look after him, get him settled. You know, because it's a big change, a Colombian coming from America. But I think they would have said to his father. I know his father has a big influence in his career, like. Sign for us because there was a lot of clubs in for him. So oh, they would have said they would they would have said to him, "What's your plan for my son? You know, or his 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 representatives? What's your plan? We'll bring him over. We're short bodies as it is. He'll get minutes. He'll train with the first team, and then come the summer, we'll send them off for a year and develop, and then hopefully he's ready for first team football." And yeah, I think that I think that makes a lot of sense. So, yeah. guys, um, I'm extremely confident going into this game. Um, I think we're gonna I think we're gonna win four 0 um, Watkins is going to score a brace. Uh, Bundy is going to score one. And I'm going for it again. Mings is going to score. Mings is going to score. So 4-0. Mings is going to have a shot that is going, looks like it's going to go wide at first. So, you know, could it be an own goal? It's going to come off a beautiful cheek of a Forest player. Um, I'm not sure who that's going to actually be. It might actually be um, uh, Johnson, their, their striker, who's playing pretty deep um, and it comes off his left cheekbone and um, Mings gets a goal. <laughs> I love the detail. <laughs> never going to come off. Never yeah. oh, never going to come off. So, boys, your scores? I, I'm going to go 2-0 Villa. Um, I'm going to go Buendia and Super John McGinn to score. Oh, I like it. I like it. I'm going to go 2 0 as well. And I'm going to go Ramsey and Ollie. Oh, yes. Yeah. So Ollie just continuing his golden reign. 11 goals, five assists. Just looking really, really confident at the moment. Um, the other thing I wanted to touch on just before we, we, we wrap up this pod, and it's always a fun one with you boys, is um, in the midweek game as well. I just want the difference in who we are. If, we, if you even go back two or three years ago, right? 
check these stats out. And we're not stat-driven. We just use them to back up our arguments in the end, right? We had 15 shots. I, I love this. We had one big chance. I don't know how we had one big chance considering we scored two goals. But maybe they're saying that um, Troy always wasn't a big chance, if you know what I mean. It was He's just taken something out of nowhere. The stat man, obviously, whoever's doing those statisticians, obviously haven't seen the crazy birthday player before. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> now, we're the away team. This is how far we've come. 471 um, accurate passes. So that's 88% passing away from home. How many passes do you reckon Leicester had at home? 200. 200, absolutely spot on. 216. I mean, we're the away team. This is what the good teams have always done. They've kept the ball. They attack when, you know, they surprise the opposition. We had eight corners, guys. We're not a renowned corner team. Um, eight corners, 471 successful passes, 15 shots on goal. This is a completely different Villa team to what we've seen in years. Mm. Well, it's, well, it's, can I ask you something there? Uh, what do you think is going on with Den Dunker? Do you think it, they, they just don't rate him? Or do you think it's just because other players are better, more suited in that position? Like, like it's very tough McGinn out of his position to replace Kamara as opposed to bringing Den Dunker in, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, I think the, I just don't think they fancy him in the sense that what that position now means for Villa, like what Paul was just saying. Now we're a possession based. How you volume of passes and what? Yeah, I, I don't think he suits that. I think he's got a, a use in a in a tip, uh, you know, a certain type of team. But I think now we've switched to being a possession based team. We keep the ball. We keep recycling the ball. And, you know, if it's not on, we go back to the back five, we get it back. I don't think he's that player for us. And I think Emery sort of realises that he's a bit of a... He's obviously a talented footballer, has played for Belgium and played in the Premier League, but it, it, it probably just doesn't suit him to sit in there. I think they'll use him when they need him. Um, but, yeah, for me, I think they, they're using players to, to suit Emery's system at the moment. Yeah. Do you think he's yeah. got in the summer? I think so. Yeah, we we I think we thought so for a while. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, look. Um, final question on notice for you guys: um, Have we seen Coutinho? I mean, he doesn't look like he'll be back to to even May. Have we seen the last um, Villa game for Coutinho? Yes, for me, I think he's gone. Um, I think I he may be on a bench. Sorry, I, I was sort of saying like in the summer, I think he'll be... Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, yes. Definitely definitely think he's gone in the summer as well. Um, yeah, I, I don't. But it's going to be very hard for him to get to. Like, he's tied to, he's tied to a big contract still. So it's going to be very yeah. hard for him. Like, unless they come to a mutual agreement. Um, like, it's going to be hard for him to get someone to take his wages. But Coutinho kind of strikes me as the kind of guy, though, if he has an opportunity to go play somewhere, he'll take it kind of thing. So the club might come to a... Mutual agreement. Um, yeah. Then again, I always say this: like if Unai Emery can get a tune out of Francois Coquelin, why can't he get a tune out of Coutinho? I'm serious. Why can't yeah. he get a tune out of Coutinho? He obviously rates him. The thing would because because he he gives Coutinho chances every time he's fit. And mm. he started him against Arsenal that day. He was very good that day, right? Now you were at that game. Yeah, you know, he was very good. 
I'm sure you would have seen a lot of it would be more than we would have as well, like at the game. But wouldn't it show how far we've come, boys, if Philip Coutinho is playing for us next year as a squad player? Yeah, that's oh. that's that's the thing too. And I think what's going to kill uh, Coutinho's is injuries, though, is it? Yeah, yeah. He's an old thirty-year-old. Like mm. his body, everywhere he's been, he's been injured at some point in that career. Mm. Um, you know, I mean. Where's he played? He's played at Inter, Liverpool, Barca, Bayern Munich on loan, Barca again, Villa. His body just seems a far older than 30. And it seems not... to happen. Sorry, Ryan, okay. No, he's, he's just not a physical body either, is he? And when I watched him live against Arsenal, I sort of, he was good for, you know, 30 minutes, but I just don't know. He's another one. I don't know if 90 minutes in the Premier League, the physicality of it, if he's got it anymore. Um, Granted, he's had a few injuries, so that probably hampers him. But yeah, it's he's a he's a real interesting player because I I was so excited when he joined Villa. Ah, oh, we all were. And his first couple of games were phenomenal. Sir. Mm. And then, well, he, and scored, then... he scored five goals um, early on in his Villa career, and he scored one since. Um, so you know, look, has he got the ability? We all know he's got the ability. Can he can he stay fit? That's going to be and when you get lower leg injuries a lot at thirty and so forth, there's some other stuff going on generally. Um, so I, look, I hope I hope he can get back to something like his form. I just don't think he will. But you look at like um, let's say like right now. I think we talked about this before. We were saying that uh, he's 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 a moments player, and the Villa yeah. aren't in a position at the moment to carry moments players. But under Emery, are we heading to a position where we may be able to? As in not starting, but like if you can get a if you can get a twenty minute Coutinho firing off a bench, surely that's a serious player to be bringing off the bench. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Like if we yeah. get to that point next year, that's how yeah. far we've come. That we've got a guy that we can with absolute quality for twenty odd minutes. That's that's what the best teams in the world do. Yeah, because because like Gerard was never going to get us to that point. That's when we talked about him being a moments player, and we can't carry moments player. But you you never know. But mm. Paul, I think you're right though. Gut feeling is he probably will be moved on. Like that, it gets it's a big wage to be getting off your wage bill though. Yeah, it is. It's true. I had one question for you fellas as well, actually. Or why? Um, so next season you can only pick one of these. We either win the FA Cup or League Cup or qualify for the Champions League. FA Cup. What would, what would you pick and FA why? Cup. FA, FA Cup. Um, FA Cup because. It gets us onto the road of winning again and winning something important. And the history of club for us is FA Cups and League Cups and, and winning the league and qualifying for Europe whilst it's all great and grand. I want to win something. So I, I really want to win something and I want to celebrate with you guys so hard. So <laughs> FA Cup for me. I mean, I'm a Paul. I think, I think for the club going forward, like I think Champions League would be the one that you'd pick. But as a supporter, you want to see the team win stuff. It's what it's what I remember, like all, all my life, like, and we haven't seen much of it. Um, nah, hundred percent. I I take a cup because you you don't get to see Villa win much in your life, like, and and if we're going to be celebrating just finishing fourth all the time, yeah, I think I think football is about silverware. And I, I if you offered me fourth place or an FA Cup in the morning, I take FA Cup, hundred percent. Hundred percent. I'm with you, fellas. You can't beat. You know, we've been lucky enough to see Villa lift trophies. You know, a long time ago now. But my brother was too young to remember our League Cup victories. So 
you know, if there's a lot of Villa fans out there haven't seen us or experienced us lifting a cap or seen us at Wembley, not not that you have to be at the game, but just witnessing us lifting a yeah. trophy. So, yeah, for me, it's super important as well. So I I, I picked the FA Cup too. Great question, right now. Great and, question. And that kind of rolls me into the question I had for us as for my one-off question was, uh, in football, if you were given one chance to change one rule, what would it be? Oh, and why? Oh, what a question. Hmm. I've got to say this, but that I think football is such a great game and such a historic game. Um, forgetting VAR, because VAR is not a rule, I, I don't want to change anything. I'm going to leave it as is. Nice. I, I'm sort of thinking around. Mine's more to do with the the handball rule, and especially in the box when it comes to handball, is balls bounce up, hit people in the arm, and I, I just want a bit more clarity. Yeah, definitely. I just think you see them quite. You know, there's at least one a month where it hits someone in the hand, it gets given, doesn't get given. I don't know how you clear it up, but that rule for me has got to be tidied up. Like it's, it's, I don't know if that answers your question, Spud, but it's the handball rule for me that I would change, but I don't know how. Yeah, that's fair enough. What about you? Um, a rule I always thought would be like would suit football. To be honest, to be honest, because it affects statistics. Everything would be. I I've always said like. I genuinely think the guy who wins the penalty should have to take the penalty. Oh, that's good. Oh, I love that. <laughs> because, like, say a left back is true one on one, keeper takes him down. Like, and then the main goal scorer gets to take the penalty. Like, it's not the same level right. of fairness. You know what I mean? I, so I, I love I it. But left... Harry, Kane, Harry Kane wouldn't have scored a goal. Yeah, like Harry Kane has, like, like you look at his England record against, like, Liechtenstein, Luxembourg. Like, he's no, he's no. Close on being the, the the biggest thing to score of all time. I think he may even be you now this stage, and I think he had like seventeen penalties or something. And I don't want to focus on Harry Kane about this, but just to give an example, you know what I mean? He had seventeen penalties out of his England goals or whatever. But like, just to make it fair for the keeper and the, the attacker, like I, I think whoever wins the penalty should have to take it. It's like, oh, like, like that. yeah, that's a brilliant that's a answer. Yeah, it's that's great, great way to win the pod, boys. So. Look, we'll um we'll all be up watching the game against Forest. Yep. Guys, Absolutely. I'll chuck up some ridiculous stuff on Twitter. So if you want to see some ridiculous stuff, it's not Spud, it's not Tess, it's not Rhino, it is me one hundred percent on uh, uh, Aussie villains. If I put up something really badly covered, I don't think I ever have put up something. Um, I hope it's I've never put up something offensive to anyone else. But no, it's not uh, in your nature, Pa. Well, it is at my nature at a game. You've been there with me. Um, <laughs> it's certainly my nature going up against Leeds. But no, it, it's, it's not my fallback position. I'd rather be happy. And um, uh, But yeah, look, guys, I can't wait. We'll be commentating on the game. Um, absolutely love this club. I can't believe how quickly... Doesn't it feel like four seasons in one? Oh, yeah. It's been a long season, hasn't it? From starting with Jarrah, starting with us going to the games and meeting each other in Brisbane, and then obviously pre-season into the season with Gerard and just where we are now, 
it feels like two different seasons. It does. Yeah, it does. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And even like Aaron Danks in the middle, like taking over, tying it all together was kind of like like the link man in the middle, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, it's just, yeah, it's uh, it's incredible how far we've come. Like, and can I just say one thing as well? Like, we talked about it in our group chat, lads, you know, like, when you look at uh, Gerard's bench for the opening day of the season and they had Buendia, Watkins, Mings, I mean, Louise, it does, like, Things like the way things are going at the moment, like it doesn't look good for him, does it? Because like really, like it's getting worse and worse all the time. Because at the start, he had a kind of a bit of an argument where he was kind of like, oh, you know, my big signings, Diego Carlos and Camara, uh, you know, they haven't been available for me. But like he, like Emery's doing it without the two of them. Like yeah. we've now won three and a half games out of four without Camara. Which I didn't think we would, to be honest. So that's absolute credit there as well. And Carlos hasn't played. Dina isn't starting, and Coutinho's injured. So his four innings. So like that's not washing. Like it's not. It's it's not a good look for him. It, re- it really isn't. Like you know, it goes to show what a top level coach can do. Like yeah, and, and I think we've said it before. He's he's a coach and a manager, uh, Emery, and coaching. I'm so it's so refreshing to see someone actually coaching players at the top level, um, and not just managing the team, but actually coaching them. That that I think the players are really responding to that uh, in a super way. Yeah, just like Dean Dean Smith tied that club together so much after yep. a real real bad ten years, yep. and it's it's something that I kind of you know I'll always love Dean Smith for you know like those. Like it was miserable those couple of years before we went down, and Dean Smith came in, and that was miserable under Bruce. And then suddenly Dean Smith came in, tied it all together, brought us up, and then kept us up. And then it was unfortunate he got sacked, but I had to get sacked. But that connection between the fans and the the, the club was back, you know. And then suddenly Gerard came in and disat like it just it just went went to pits, didn't it? Like. Yeah. Like I watched every game, but every game was a chore. Setting my alarm for two o'clock and whatever. No, I can't wait to bounce out of bed to watch the games again. Like, and I haven't had that since we're in the championship. You know, since we were under Dean Smith. Like, and it's, it's totally, it's... totally agree, mate. We yeah. we look forward, and we've seen the bad times. So we're not. When I say I think we're going to beat Forest four 0 I'm not being a wanker about it. I seriously see us taking a team apart at home, and I think Forest are so bereft of confidence. Um, I'm not saying four 0 to be a smart like I genuinely believe that we're going to do it. Well, we've said all we we we've said like Rhino started it off there a couple of games back, and we are just born. Like there is going to come a point the way we're playing at the moment. Where before the end of this game, I think we've nine games left, lads. Is it? Mm. We, yeah. Like this isn't me being over enthusiastic Villa fan. We are going to spank one team. Like there is going to be one game where it just all clicks. Yeah. Like, because yeah, we're, we're yeah. heading, we're heading that way. Like, and Paul, you could well be right. It could be Forest could happen, you know, because they concede a lot of goals, you know. Well, guys, we will do a podcast next week as well. Um, we appreciate our listeners so so much. We are a family. Um, I've met these guys, um, you know, through social media. Then we met in person pre-season. I couldn't wish for a better group of people to discuss the podcast with. And our listeners, you are part of that family. Um, and we appreciate you very much. Up the villa. Up the villa. Guys, that was a... I think that was...
Thanks for joining us for another episode of Up the Deal, the Aussie Villains podcast. You can get us at Aussie Villains on Twitter. Also get us at Australian Fans of Villa on Facebook. You can get us on our Facebook group. We'd love to have you on there. Please post your questions. Also, if you are listening on Apple or uh, Spotify, please leave a review. It really does help our reach get out there. Uh, we don't do this for any money. We just do it for the love of the club. So thanks for listening. We really appreciate you. Up the Villa! Yes, indeed, it's fun time, fun time, fun time.